Hi there, and welcome to the Everyday Entrepreneur Podcast, where I, Caitlin Fritz, help you reach your entrepreneurial potential. Together, we can build your dream social impact business so that you can leave a legacy beyond your nine to five. Hello, hello, and welcome to this episode of the Everyday Entrepreneurship Podcast. My name's Caitlin. I am an award-winning entrepreneur, enterprise educator, and business coach who specializes in supporting, growing, and building impact-led businesses. I have been lucky enough to work with 650 founders from across the world through my workshops, coaching, and educational programs. And I am so happy to have you here today on this very chilly December morning here in the UK. And today I'm really excited to talk a little bit about burnout. I know it has been a very hectic year, at least in my neck of the woods. 2023 has had some, you know, highs and lows and everything in between. And as we're at this, you know, last chapter of 2023, I want to stop and reflect and really process all of the many and big successes I've had and you've had and not get worried about the anxiety or the fear of 2024 or all those things we didn't do on our January 2023 to-do list. And I have the perfect guest on today to share her journey of self-discovery her journey through burnout, and her journey in making clinician and medical professionals' lives so much more enriching and balanced. So I'm absolutely thrilled to have Dr. Amy Jo Farrow. She is an occupational health physician and a burnout coach specializing in the medical and healthcare field. But Don't worry, she works with everyone. She is helping doctors go from burnout to balanced and really supporting exhausted doctors thrive. So let us jump in to our conversation together where we are going to discuss everything from burnout to boundaries to business success. I hope you enjoy. Today, I am so excited to have Amy Jo Farrow here with us today. So Amy Jo, let's just jump right in. Can you share a little bit about, you know, your background and how you got started? Hello, everyone. (laughs) I'm Amy Jo and people often call me AJ. I um, am an occupational health physician. I started my career as a, as a doctor working in hospitals, working in anesthetics, intensive care, A&E, acute specialties, um, and then pivoted into occupational medicine, uh, where I get to support people with fitness to work, occupational related illnesses, um, and return to work. That's all the main the main things I do. And alongside that, I've been working as a, a coach, um, working with doctors who are experiencing burnout and those doctors who have been off work for a period of time and need to get back to doing their jobs and want to do it in a sustainable way that is balanced and 
going to set them up for the future so they don't experience the same problem again. I love that. We're going to be diving definitely a little bit deeper into what you're doing, but let's rewind the clock. What got you into healthcare? And I mean, there has been a quite a shift from those intensive specialties to occupational health. So can you take us back to the beginning of, you know, what called you into this industry? Oh, I'd have to take you back to when I was like 10 or 11, but um, (laughs) (laughs) I, I just knew that I wanted to be a doctor. Um, and I wanted to, it's a cliche, but help people and look after people and, and do work that was meaningful and worthwhile. Um, and so, yeah, I just kind of focused my sights on medicine and got in, did the degree, started to work in a, a great hospital. Um, but I, I didn't know what sort of doctor I wanted to be. I, I was just like, no, I don't want to do that. No, I don't want to do that. But actually choosing what I did want to do took a little while. Um, And when I was in my foundation year, so the first year of being a Dr. F1, I had the opportunity to go to Iraq uh, with a group of doctors um, who were performing orthopedic surgery on general population. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And when I was there, I was just like, okay, I'll be the ward doctor, supporting people after they've had their operations, getting them ready. Um, and I got to be in theatre quite a lot and I just saw what the anaesthetists doing. I was like, this is cool. Like I thought surgery was cool, but anaesthetics is like another level. And I was like, right, well, that's it. That's what I'm going to do. And um, yeah, so I, I applied and got in and, and was doing my anaesthetic training. Part of the anaesthetic training that I was doing was called acute care common stem. So it, it means it involves working in the acute medical unit. So with really sick medical patients, uh, intensive care, really, really sick medical and surgical patients yeah. um, and A&E, um, which is a, a whole different beast, really, of medicine, as well as anaesthetics. And I loved it. I didn't love all of it, but I loved uh, what I was doing and how I was um, yeah, progressing in my career. And it was all going really well. And then like probably the first thing that had ever kind of derailed me was failing an exam (laughs) by like a quarter percent I was yeah shocked and gutted actually I had to wait another six months to retake that exam and I didn't do anything but study and work and study and work just constant and I, I nailed the exam the second time no problem walked the bit after that that was fine but I just hadn't been looking after myself I'd just been working and studying working studying and I burnt out. I just needed some time off work. It's a cliche, but it, it happened. And during that time, I was like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. But went back to work thinking, I really want to do this. I've got to get back into this. I love my job. I love my job. And when I went back, I, I felt like, oh, nobody's going to trust me. No one's going to think I can do it anymore. I've gone from this sort of trainee that no one had any doubts about, and I didn't have any doubts about myself, to feeling like, who am I? Um, and am I going to be trusted anymore mm. to to do my job? And that, that sort of imposter syndrome that I'd never had before crept in. Yep, a huge and and I I found myself struggling to where where I'd been put on the spot before. You know, let's let's do a case discussion and tell me your thoughts and what you're going to do. Before the the time off, I I would have had no problem um, doing that, and then 
after my time off, I just doubted myself massively. And I, I thought, I can't do this. I'm, I'm not, mm. this is not right. And, and so I, I had to kind of make a difficult decision as well, thinking, well, if I burnt out or had some time off because of the training, which is, uh, you know, what I thought, I thought, well, this obviously isn't right for me or I'm not right for it. Um, we, I need to re, reassess. Um, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I, I just kind of didn't, didn't get any support really in, in terms of making that next decision. And I just went, right, okay, stop. Come off. Full stop. For a bit. Full stop. Yeah. Stop. Think about what I want to do and, and then work it out. And, that, and that's what I did. So that's, that's kind of my, the end of my hospital clinical work but I moved into into effectively into occupational medicine and and functional assessor role for a little bit just to catch my breath work out what I did want to do and then did that for a while and I had a baby and and then um I was like okay I don't want to go back to that job that I'm not passionate about if I have to leave my child to go and do this job that I'm just doing but don't love so I on my maternity leave I got a, a qualification in occupational medicine asked to do some work experience with an occupational health company they asked me to send my CV and they offered me a job like then and there pretty much and I haven't looked back I've, I've loved it I've loved occupational medicine it's totally different totally different to anesthetics intensive care A&E all of that but it gives me the great opportunity to really spend time with people and and get to know what's happening for them and and a bit more about them as a person which I've loved which I never would have got in anesthetics because unsurprisingly a lot of my patients would have been asleep I was gonna say yeah (laughs) um and so there's no there really isn't the technical side the clinical skills um side that I loved in anesthetics none of that but there's this opportunity to speak to people and really get to know them um, in that in that window that you have, um, which I which I love. Uh, but again, I, I found and understood the limitations of that in terms of supporting people and getting back to work. And uh, so, in occupational medicine, I do an occupational health consultation for an employer employee advising on return to work fitness for work reasonable adjustments that kind of thing but you do see people sort of rebounding time and time again with the same issue or the same problem um and employers can only do so much to make adjustments um and and then I realized that what was needed was a bit more support beyond that which brought me to coaching (laughs) (laughs) I love that though I think your story Though uniquely you, I feel like, especially for those listeners who maybe aren't based in the UK, is very common in a lot of NHS clinicians, doctors, being overworked, overstretched, burning out younger and younger. Mm. Um, And I think, though I'm very sorry you had to experience it, it really redirected you into supporting some of these clinicians now into adopting a healthier life to hopefully prevent burnout or getting them out of those depths of just, you know, exhaustion and um, what all of burnout entails. So 
share with me a little bit about your coaching experience. Because what's interesting and what I love is you've actually gone back and really have this focused work with doctors and clinicians and healthcare professionals. So share with share with us a little bit about that. Working with these people you you probably worked beside. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I work with a lot of um trainees and early hospital consultants, so newly newly qualified consultants, I suppose you could say. They tend to be hospital doctors uh, that seem to gravitate towards me. And they are working so hard. And their pressures are unique to working in the, in the NHS, but are so common across uh, all industries, all professions, really. What I do with these individuals is, you know, I have to kind of do a risk assessment initially on, on am I the right person for these people mm. to speak to? And I, and I do get lots of calls from people who want support, but it's just not, not the right time. They need a different kind of support than what, what I'm offering. But those that are um, in a good place to have coaching, I do an assessment with them and I work out whether a three-month coaching program would be more suitable or if they're a little bit more, have a few more needs than, you know, six months and see them twice a month for an hour at a time. Uh, and between those uh, coaching sessions, depending on what they need, they might have some exercises to do, some kind of self-reflection or um coaching tasks I suppose but it, it's completely led by the individual and what they need so I can tell you and I, I can let people know what sort of things we talk about in coaching but it's so diverse yeah and, no I mean yeah <laughs> share with us because I think there's this common misconception between coaching versus mentoring versus counseling mm. especially in this kind of healthcare space so what do you do with your clients so I I don't need to offer healthcare professionals advice on what mm -hmm. to do to get well and stay well, look after themselves. They have heard so much information from well-being and resilience advice um, from at work. But you know, these are smart people who know what is good for them. What they tend to struggle with is implementing some of the most basic support mechanisms into their lives um, or the things that worked when they were a medical student or a, you know in their early 20s is no longer working for them when they have children aging parents they've got a health condition themselves or just life hits them out of the blue and so often it's it although the burnout burnout is an occupational condition it's a, it's a phenomenon caused by work according to the world health organization a lot of the time, the, the work has stayed fairly stable, although pressures are, are have increased over the last few years. But the job itself, the job itself doesn't necessarily need to have gotten worse for people to burn out. So we we might focus on our coaching on that individual working out what they need for them. So I'm 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 not a mentor. I'm not telling you I've been there. Do this. Do that. Do the other. I'm not a counsellor providing talking therapies, which will help individuals with a specific mental health problem or problem from their past. Coaching is more, tends to be more goal oriented, future oriented. We look at the situation now, 
and we look at that individual's options for what they could do next. We delve into that a bit deeper and get them to think a, a little bit, well, a lot more about what they want to do. Um, look at any things that are getting in their way and allow that person the time and the space to focus on them and that reflection. I, I love that because I know I have healthcare members in my family and politely, sometimes doctors make the worst patients. So you're absolutely right. They've heard it all before. They know the medical guidelines, but when was the last time they stopped? And thought about themselves. Now, do you have any, I would love to hear if, if you can share a little <laughs> bit, you know, what, what has been some of the transformations, you know, what have people been saying? How has this affected their trajectory? Because mm. time and time again, I've talked to healthcare workers, especially doctors, trainees, residents, etc. And it is just the grind of day in, day out, constantly burning a candle at both ends. So I'd love to hear, you know, what what effect has this had on some of your clients? Oh, it ranges from people going, do you know what? This is not the right life for me. But they haven't made that decision rash, you know, a rash decision. Mm -hmm. They've really considered it. They've decided what their values and aims for their life are and sometimes the path that they chose when they were 10 is no longer the path that they that, that aligns with them anymore so some people have pivoted and changed specialty some people have um have had a bit of time off and decided that actually they didn't want to go back into medicine but most of the time people come to me thinking i can't do this anymore I am just completely exhausted. I need to leave. But before they make that decision, they something has brought them to me, perhaps some marketing or something that's spoken to them. And they've said, okay, let's, let's do this. Let's do this coaching. And then I love it when instead of feeling disempowered and at the mercy of what is happening to them, they then feel like, oh no, there is stuff. There, there are things within my control. And then they have made the decision to remain in their uh, in their job or the, the training post, whatever they're they're doing. Um, think of one specific individual, but you know they they've stayed in that job, but they have managed to make some quite sometimes not massive but lifestyle changes that have given them the opportunity to remain well going forward they have dropped something or taken on something else that's that's the amazing thing sometimes people don't need to do less they need to dial up the things in their life that bring them joy and bring satisfaction so with coaching we, we focus quite a lot sometimes on people's values and strengths and say well where are you where are you getting this in the career that you have so far how can you get more of this and so people sometimes actually take on other things that enrich their careers and then they don't feel like they're just at the mercy of their job anymore they've got the control and when a lot of clinicians are, are burnt out they can't see the wood for the trees and they they feel like everything is happening to them so having that space to talk and think and reframe things sometimes is empowering. I love that. I think 
you're totally right. It's not just cutting back. It's finding what really lights you up and, and being able to amplify that, you know, because you can get so much joy and richness, mm -hmm. especially when that is in your control. And, you know, you're just able to, to enjoy all those multiple facets of yourself. Speaking of being a multiple faceted woman, Amy Jo, you, you're incredible. I've, I've, I'm a huge fan, but so you have a career you love working in occupational health. You have an incredible coaching practice. You have a husband and child. How do you balance this all as a entrepreneur, as someone who is going out and building and continuing to grow your practice? T tell us how. <laughs> um, I actually have two children. Um... Oh, children, children. My <laughs> yeah. bad, my bad. Everyone says she's even more of a superwoman. No, no, I, I'm not. I'm not. And I, and actually acknowledging that I'm not superhuman has is like the first step in in being able to do what I what I've been doing. I I would not have the um the capacity to do all these things if I didn't have such an amazing husband, <laughs> honestly, and family. Like I I have a lot of support from my parents with uh with childcare. Um I am fortunate enough to be able to afford to pay for childcare when I need a bit extra so that I can take advantage of all the opportunities that come in my way, speaking engagements, workshops, and all those kinds of things. So yeah, I think having that stable main career, I, I guess that um, I, I enjoy helps a lot. Having that wider support helps a lot. And then the security that all of that offers to allow me to branch out and do new things, things that I haven't ever done before, and are a bit scary. And going back to the kind of superwoman thing I know that I am I guess I know myself quite well now mm. and I I am uh, quite good at going what do I need what do I need and sometimes I don't know what I need and that's when I get some coaching for myself <laughs> because then deep down I know but sometimes I just need to talk to somebody else so that I've got that that space and somebody yep. to really listen I love that I think even coaches need coaches. Um, I think that's a misconception that people are like, oh, you must have it all together. And I'm like, nope. no, we, we all have our people. <laughs> we all have our network. So I think it's incredible that you have this ecosystem. And what I think is beautiful as well is you have almost this portfolio career. You have that time doing your occupational health. You have your own coaching practice. And you become more and more vocal online about your coaching, which I highly recommend anyone, you know, give Amy Jo a follow, what she's doing on LinkedIn, her workshops, all of these things are incredible. What advice would you give others in the, you know, the health space or even just in general in balancing something like a portfolio career like you have? But first of all, um, I would say have a, conversation with yourself or, or do some work on what do you really want from your life career and life because they're inextricably linked and if you're going to take on something else something new make sure you have the space and the capacity to do it not just the the time to do it but the um the energy and the support and think about the knock-on effects 
of, of that new thing you're taking on. Um, I would advise people to um, take it slowly initially when you're when you're starting to build something. Um, you know, for for example, on on LinkedIn when I joined that, um, I was posting most days. I was responding to comments. I was really networking a lot, and I realised like this is taking up a lot of my time bandwidth bandwidth exactly and and I'm not going to do it anymore on a Tuesday or Thursday which is the which are the days that I get to spend with my my two-year-old um and drop my five-year-old uh off at school and pick him up and I thought I'm not going to do it on those days because I don't want to be distracted from what I've got going on with them um so yeah take it take it steady and little bit at a time and really think about uh, every opportunity that comes my way I have to have a quick chat with my my husband and be like does this actually is this going to work for us is this going to work for me is it worthwhile doing because you get offered so many things it's whiplash (laughs) it is isn't it (laughs) yeah so yeah that's it really and and um I, I talked about this recently in sort of my um newsletter and also on on LinkedIn about um kind of we would all do well to have like energy guided seasonality to our days weeks months years you know depending on what we've got going on personally physically emotionally socially all of those things impact our capacity to do things um and it's not always within our control especially as healthcare workers but we're not superhuman we do have basic needs that have to be met so factor that in oh I love that I love that and to to add on to that because I know you've worked mostly with healthcare workers but we're in that kind of frantic time of the year some people are ramping up for the holidays some people are you know winding down others are just flat out burnt out by the end of the year I have fellow entrepreneurs who have just you know can't can't even run through the finish line at this point because of how crazy of a year it has been what advice would you give to anyone who is battling burnout any entrepreneurs out there who feel like it's creeping in now in these you know wintry months do you have any tips for those individuals um yeah so those individuals who are feeling wrung out this time of year I think know that you are not alone (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's true <laughs> I think everyone feels like this this time of year the seasons change the nights draw in it's hard it's hard like we said before think about not only what you can potentially get rid of what you don't really need so for me I didn't need to be posting on LinkedIn five times a week so could you cut that back will it make a difference if you don't post every day probably not so right you know, wind some things back try and say no to some things even if they're exciting and interesting also don't think okay in january i'll do it in january i'll do it in the new year and then cram your january full of things everyone does that. everyone does it yeah um at, because most people will get a bit run down cold whatever in the new year and it's a really hard time to start anything new also think about dialing up things that that replenish your energy and that's not necessarily just resting and, and watching TV for, you know, all the free time you have or scrolling social media, being a little bit more conscious and intentional with resting and recuperating. Um, you know, there was a great TED talk, uh, I think it was 20, 
2019 about the seven different types of rest I'd recommend people take well, a look have to at put that. that in the show notes okay yeah yeah it's, it's a, a a brilliant uh brilliant talk and and so think about that and it doesn't it doesn't have to be having a whole day of doing nothing and going to a spa or something if you could put regular small daily habits in that support your happiness and well-being and you can do that over the longer term it's going to serve you well next winter as well exactly you can start 2024 not with that new year resolution never-ending to-do list stress Mm -hmm. but really just taking things in these daily habits i i think that's something as an entrepreneur, it took me probably like a year and a half of running a business to realize (laughs) if you do not bake these in, no one is going to bake them in for you. And we look at our diaries and we schedule meetings and appointments, all those kinds of things. If you don't schedule time for yourself in your diary as well, what does that say about what you prioritize? Exactly. You cannot serve on with an empty cup. It's it's going to lead you down that path of burnout, which, Mm -hmm. you know, then you're not giving your gifts to the world. Um, So Amy Jo, where can individuals find you, follow you? If they're interested in your coaching programs or your workshops, how should they get in contact? So uh, people can follow me uh, on LinkedIn. So Dr. Amy Jo Farrow, Amy Jo is hyphenated. um, And uh, can get in contact with me, uh, hello at dramyjofarrow.com, um, which is my website address too. Uh, Dr. Amy Jo Farrow is D-R-A-M-Y-J-O-F-A-R-R-O-W.com. Um, they're the main ways. And on my LinkedIn page and, and on my website, you can uh, book in a, a call with me if you're interested um, in coaching as a, as a doctor, either with burnout or returning to work after sickness absence for any reason, but particularly burnout and mental health. Amazing. And then I I have to be a little bit cheeky because obviously I am not in the healthcare space, but can anyone sign up for your newsletter as well? Yeah, of course. Yeah, (laughs) of course. I do coach people who aren't doctors as well. (laughs) Okay. Okay. um, Just, just had to ask. (laughs) Yeah, 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 absolutely. Come. Yeah. Join my, join my newsletter. Um, I'd love to have you. (laughs) Amazing. No, thank you so much for all of this knowledge, all of these insights. And I'm hoping everyone listening can really reflect on what brings them joy, what they need to add, subtract and book in these moments of rest. Um, So thank you so much for joining us today. That's really good to chat with you. Thanks, Caitlin. What I love about speaking with Amy Jo is her realness and honesty in her own story. You know, we in the UK have a very burnt out healthcare system. And I think clinicians worldwide, and honestly, everyone has suffered a little bit or a lot from the stress of the pandemic. And I think she uses her own experience of burnout to have this pivotal moment of change in using it and leveraging it to support fellow clinicians and fellow healthcare professionals to stop burnout on the way or reevaluate you know what brings them joy in their lives what i really loved was 
how she has brought us some real tangible advice that we can start implementing in our lives and our businesses starting today. You know, think about what you can add to bring joy in. Think about your boundaries. I know I loved that. And if you want to learn more about Dr. Amy Jo Farrow and her work in helping doctors thrive, then be sure to check out the show notes where I am linking her LinkedIn, her newsletter, and that incredible TED Talk we mentioned on the show about rest. Because we know end of the year, we all need some rest. And if you want inside tips and be the first to know when a new episode drops, you have to join my newsletter, which is linked in the show notes. In there, we get real about building an impact-led business. So I hope you will join. Thank you all for listening in to this incredible episode with Amy Jo. And until next time, this is the Everyday Entrepreneurship. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Everyday Entrepreneurship. To stay tuned and most up to date, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can follow me, Caitlin Fritz, on Instagram. And if you have any questions about building your business with impact, drop me an email with the link in the show notes. This podcast is produced by the great people at the Podcast Boutique. I look forward to catching up with you next week. See you then.